I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This is episode 183, and this week we're continuing on from where we left off last week, talking about South Australia. We just couldn't couldn't fit it in. Yeah, we were talking about how awesome South Australia was, and we got like halfway through, but we just completely ran out of time, so it just goes to show how fantastic that state actually is. <laughs> yes. I mean, it is a lot of ground. It's bigger than most European countries. That's right. Although a lot of it is completely uninhabited. Yeah, and we didn't go there, did we? No, we didn't. Anyway, before we start, let's talk about what we've been up to this week. Well, it's Thursday, and we recorded the other podcast on Monday, so it hasn't actually been a lot of time since we talked to you, and most of that time has been spent in blinding frustration. We have been shopping. Yeah, I'm, I'm not used to these big shopping malls and going to try and find something and dealing with the nip staff, so I much prefer ordering things online, and unfortunately that means retail jobs just keep disappearing, but... Um, yeah, it's been pretty painful and we're glad we're out of it and we're not planning on doing it again. <laughs> we've got a big party to go to on Saturday, so we've been buying all the bits and pieces we needed for that. Craig had to buy some trousers today, it was quite funny. I bought a hat. I've also got some wings. I don't know why I need wings, but apparently they are essential for this particular party. Yeah, it's it's fairy bling. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it is fairy bling. I think it's just bling. But somehow that means I have to wear fairy wings. But anyway. <laughs> Smooth. We have caught up with a few people this week, and that's been uh, that's been fantastic. We saw uh, Jason from Sia.co.nz. They're a uh, deals website operating, well, just for New Zealand. So a lot of Australians use it as well when planning their trips. But it's not that well known for other visitors coming into the country. I think it's a really good service because it basically finds all the deals based around uh, air travel in New Zealand and from New Zealand and sends you information when a deal on your route comes up. So if you're in Christchurch and you wanted to go from Christchurch to Auckland, you can sign up to their service and they'll send you an email every time there's a special deal on mm. Christchurch, Auckland, Auckland, Christchurch flights. Yep. Within a spin time frame if you want, so I think it's brilliant. Yeah, and it was brilliant finding out about that over a couple of beers. So Yeah, a couple of beers was a few too many for me, but... <laughs> <laughs> Smooth. Who else have we seen? Oh, we saw Mira from Always Rentals. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've been in touch with her for a while uh, through Twitter, and it's really great to actually finally catch up with her. So that was really good. We had a coffee. No no beer. It was the morning. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. There are obviously a rental company based here in Christchurch and doing some interesting stuff online, very, very big in social media. So yeah, yeah it was great. it was good fun. Uh, well, today's podcast is sponsored by Travelers Autobahn. They're based in Australia doing car rentals. Yeah, so it's perfect. <laughs> Whether you're traveling for a week or a year, Travelers Autobahn has a range of options specifically tailored to the budget conscious travelers. Travelers Autobahn is unique in that all six locations around Australia are licensed motor vehicle dealerships, offering sales with guaranteed buyback. There's a fleet of over 400 rental cars and camper vans, so they're bound to have something you want. Yeah, it's it's all good. I mean, it's great buying a cheap car when you're going to be in a country for a while, but having that guaranteed buyback, I think, is a, a big advantage. The price might not be the best, but if you're a couple of days off flying home, can, it's going to be a saviour. That's right, because you can actually sell it to someone else if you don't want to, well, but you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we always recommend that if you're coming to New Zealand or Australia that you, that you buy a car if you're going to be here for more than, I don't know, four or five weeks, because it's so much easier to get around when you have your own car. So, yeah, hiring or buying is definitely the way to go. Yeah, now if you've uh, had a look at the website this week or you're on our email or Facebook uh, lists, then you would have seen something that I personally am really, really excited about, which is the Travel Hacking Cartel. This is uh, Chris Gillibo. We spoke to him in the past on the show about 
air miles and around the world travel. And I think we'll have to get him back on again because he's got a lot more sophisticated about what he's doing. Yeah, and we really like him. (laughs) Yeah, he's a good guy. (laughs) But uh, he just launched the Travel Hacking Cartel, which is basically uh, an alert system for air mile deals. So you can sign up. There's a $1 14-day trial. And, yeah, you sign up and they send you updates by email or text message on new mileage deals. So if someone in your neighborhood is saying, hey, come in and fill out a survey and we'll give you 2,000 miles, you go, cha-ching, and you're one-fifth of the way to a free flight. Yeah. So it's it's a really cool service. Yeah, and it's got a guaranteed, what is it, four guaranteed four flights. F- four year. flights a year, yeah. And, um, yeah, you can pay as little as I think the, the bottom tier level is about $16 a month, which is cool the average one's 25 a month and uh yeah you just get all these mileage alerts so if you make use of them you could be looking at two or three around the worlds a year um but they guarantee four domestic flights or a hundred thousand miles it's amazing um which is awesome so if you are interested in that we are getting a commission if you sign up through us so you can visit indietravelpodcast.com forward slash travel hacking um, but yeah, this this isn't a, a cheesy sales thing. I'm I'm really excited about it. But if you are going to join up, come to indietravelpodcast.com forward slash travel hacking, and uh, yeah, and, and just do that one dollar free trial. See if you're going to get value out of it. Yeah, and of course you can also visit indietravelpodcast.com slash flights slash hotels slash hostels and slash insurance if you're booking travel online because it helps us out as well. It sure does. It sure does. So in the last podcast, we were talking about traveling in South Australia. We talked about the capital of the state, which is Adelaide, all the fun things you can do in and around there. Uh, We talked about the wine districts, uh, Clare Valley, Barossa Valley, Adelaide Hills, and uh, McLaren Vale. So those four premier wine districts. And we kind of mentioned Kunawara, which is a couple of miles down the road. Um, (laughs) Four four or five hours drive. Um, But then we also talked about Kangaroo Island and all the wildlife and all the cool stuff we did out there. And it was fantastic. But we spent so long talking about it that we didn't actually find time to talk about anything else to do in the state. And there is, as we've said, a lot more to do. So if you are in Adelaide, which you probably will be if you're coming to South Australia, you can also head, well, really just west, but you kind of have to go north and then south again, so northwest, to get to the Air Peninsula where you can do all sorts of cool things. There's the Nalaba Plain, there's ancient caves, there's national parks, and you can go swimming with sharks and tuna. Yes, I wouldn't recommend go swimming with the sharks. No, cage diving. (laughs) But you're in the water, and they're in the water. So, you know. (laughs) It's it's pretty freaky, yeah. But um, I'm not sure. Every time I see this kind of shark cage diving, I'm like, yes, no. Yes, no, yes, no. <laughs> well, I've talked to people I who think... completely loved it, who had yeah. the best experience ever. I was reading about one guy who was uh, doing this cage diving, and the sharks came around, and it wasn't until later that he realized that one of his feet was hanging out <laughs> of the cage. No way. So he, he could have just lost a foot, but it was okay. He was fine. And But we also talked to another friend of ours who went cage diving, and he didn't have such a good experience because there weren't as many sharks around. So they, they went down into the water, and there were three or four sharks milling around, he said that the tour guide who had gone with had said that uh, sometimes they had up to 18 running around, so he felt a bit ripped off. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like we went on a dolphin uh, dolphin watching excursion once in the north of New Zealand in the Bay of Islands, and uh, 
there were no dolphins and everyone was completely and utterly hungover. So we spent like it was just really bad. three hours out on rough water feeling ill um, no and no dolphins. Oh, we also stopped at this island where we had the worst coffee I've ever had in my entire life. Ooh, big call. Yeah, big call. Well, up until that point, I might have had worse since then. I haven't reevaluated, but it was spectacularly bad. So that <laughs> morning was quite a write-off. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things when you're doing wildlife tourism, you're dealing with wildlife. That's right. I mean, when we went uh, swimming with dolphins in Kangaroo Island, we had an excellent experience. The um, the owner drove us around in the in the boat trying to find the dolphins, and we found some. We stopped and we swam with them, and you know they went off, and we had to you know, kind of sail around quite a bit to try and find the dolphins. We were waiting for them to come back from fishing. And eventually they did, and it was all good. But we were just lucky that we had extra time. He said, look, I'm happy to stay out for as long as we need to to see these dolphins. But if anyone had had to get back for a certain time, then we wouldn't have had that flexibility. Mm, that's true. So, yeah, we were really at the mercy of the dolphins, and luckily they came to the party. Yeah, and it was, it was amazing. It was awesome. As said. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so getting out to the Air Peninsula is my... Well, not getting out there, sorry, is my one regret of our time in South Australia because, uh, well, it just, I've seen amazing photos and the wildlife activities out there. Kangaroo Island was great, even in Adelaide, doing the Mount Lofty descent, seeing all the koalas out in the wild. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, there's just a lot of cool stuff to do out there, but it is, you have to bear in mind. If you're going there, you're looking at a full day's drive from Adelaide to get up to Port Lincoln. Port Augusta. uh, Sorry, Port Augusta, and then down uh, down the peninsula. Or you can fly, which isn't necessarily that cheap. No, it's it's obviously much shorter. I think it's 45 minutes from um, Adelaide Airfield to just go over the the big waterway, Um, but it's it's pricey, and then you've got to rent a car there to get around because as we've said before things aren't really public transport isn't well developed well it's just because of the population density i mean Mm. you know in australia it's got a population density of something like four people per square kilometer and you know south australia is one of the least densely occupied states in the country so you've got these vast vast distances you can't even imagine it you know we were driving through the desert and we didn't even pass any other cars for an hour Mm. or two hours it was quite funny when we were heading north between Adelaide and Alice, there came a time when our tour guide Bender said, and this is the last tree until <laughs> Alice Springs. And, and no kidding, it was a couple of hours before we saw another fully grown tree. Yeah, there were lots of bushes. <laughs> I didn't feel like we were, we were away from, you know, fauna, uh, flora. I didn't feel like we were away from, you know, bushes or anything. But yeah, there were no big trees. Yeah, and that that was it. I was like, <laughs> nothing, 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 nothing. But I was surprised at what a beautiful and multicoloured nothing it was. Yeah, I was expecting absolute nothing because I was expecting like wide reaches of red sand stretching out to the horizon. It wasn't like that at all. Mm. There was red sand, admittedly, but in amongst there were there were hills. You know, there were bushes, and of course, with the because it wasn't a very I don't know, a sunny time, you know. The, the clouds were hanging low on the horizon as well. So you had all these very colors. Dramatic. There was the red, there was the green, there was the blue of the sky with the low white and gray clouds. It was just spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, so thinking back, the first time we visited Adelaide, we got a, a very special treat because uh, yes. Linda's sister's a, a pilot. So we got to, uh, she wanted to kind of show off the route that 
that she drives to work every morning. <laughs> and uh, we also wanted to go and see Lake Eyre. Now, Lake Eyre is a fascinating natural phenomenon that's, that's in South Australia. Yeah, it's basically a dry lake bed. It's enormous. And uh, occasionally, very occasionally, usually only once every 10 years, it fills with water. So it actually drains one-sixth of the area of Australia is its catchment zone. So if water lands there, it, it drains into Lake Eyre. But of course you need quite a lot of rain for it to actually get to Lake Eyre. So with the floods in Queensland this year and last year and the year before, it's been full. Well, it's, been, it's had water in it. Apparently it's only full to capacity three times in the last 150 years. I don't know if it's full to capacity now, but it's, it's at least kind of 70 oh, it's, it's on its way. I mean, if you've been following the, the news down here, both um, uh, Queensland and Victoria have been having amazing flooding like there's flooding everywhere it's flooding up in the north of new zealand as well yeah with the the cyclone the tail end of that coming down so it's been a a really hard summer for for oceania and the the pacific rim in general i think with earthquakes and floods and as well so it's it's pretty shocking but this does mean that with all this water lake air is going to be pretty full of water yeah and it looks spectacular so we got to fly over it we went from um adelaide we stopped off at Olympic Dam. Olympic Dam, and then we flew up and did a kind of a scenic route. We stopped at William Creek to um, to refuel and to have. <laughs> Williams Creek's one of these funny little towns. It's got a population of three. There's <laughs> the airstrip, the hangars, and the a pub, pub. Mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's it. But it's one of these places that that backpackers and people that are doing independent travel in their own camper vans or at the back of a ute in their own tent. Uh, they stop in, in Williams Creek and they stop and camp outside the pub and <laughs> they go to the pub and get hammered and have a have a crazy time and, and get up and move on the next morning. So yeah. um, you'll see this dot on your map if you're planning your road trip. And uh, for some reason, I guess it's like Barrytown in New Zealand, for some reason it's just this nothing stop. You've got, you've got to stop somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if you if you want to visit Lake Eyre, then you can do a scenic flight from Coopapedia or William Creek. You can also do one from Murray, um, Adelaide, and even Brisbane. There are scenic flights. Operating. Wow! Yeah, that would be a lot of fuel going all the way from yeah, Brisbane. Yeah, apparently it's four thousand kilometres return. Yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't recommend. It. I'd recommend you get yourself to Coopapedia and then think about it. <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah, but I don't know. To describe it, it's kind of tough. You've you've got that ochre red soil that you imagine from movies like Australia and Priscilla, Queen of the Desert um, just stretching out and when you're flying over there's this cerulean blue um, just coming down in rivers and it's it's mixing all the the colours and some of it's more kind of soapy white and some of it's an opal blue and And there's a lot of bird life around as well yeah, Um, well I mean it's this oasis in the middle of the desert so it's got to attract every bird for a thousand kilometres you know and apparently there's fish life as well which I find incredible I know, where does it come from? I don't know well, it's let's let's move on from talking about Lake Eyre because it, it's huge. Yeah. But... Oh, but you can also visit it by 4x4. Four four. Oh, yeah, So of if course. you can't afford a, you know, a flight, which <laughs> is fair enough because they are really expensive and oh, yeah. a family member who's yeah. lovely and wonderful, yeah. and I love you, my sister, <laughs> 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 then um, it, it might not be worth your while. But, yeah, you can do a, a tour by 4x4. Four four. Some tour operators run those, mm. and you can see, see it from the ground. Yep, yep. Now, um, when we went from... 
Adelaide and went north. We went with a tour company called uh, Adventure Tours Australia. Uh, they're um, very similar to Oz Experience. It's the same company, so you see those brands when you're uh, when you're looking at tours. Yeah, quite a lot and of companies run this a similar tour. Yeah. But we found this one really good. It was a six-day tour. I think they're converting to a seven-day tour pretty soon. But uh, it covered a lot of different things. We um, we found it a really good way to traverse the outback to Alice Springs because, yeah. I don't know, a lot of people do it independently, but they all seem to be super, super equipped. We didn't Actually, we didn't come across that many people traveling north independently. They all had camper vans, and they were all packed full of equipment. And Yeah, the, the people that we did were well equipped, and, yeah. and you have to be. You need a good four-wheel drive or a good camper van, even if you're just staying. The main highway that goes up is called the, uh, the Stuart Highway. If you're just staying on that, that's fine. You can do that in a camper van. But if you're wanting to get out to places that aren't really that aren't on the main highway, basically, if they're not on the line straight up or out to Uluru or Ayers Rock, then you need a four-wheel drive. That's right. So, yeah, we, we just didn't have the equipment to do it. And actually, doing it with a tour was a really good way to do it because it meant that we got to see the places we wanted to see and we had good company and we had a knowledgeable guide to, mm. to show us the way. Yeah. And we really liked our guide. He was always stopping whenever he saw, um, like, native animals so we'd see some emus, we'd screech to a halt on the side of the road, get out and have a look at them. He stopped and picked up a, um, what was it called, a stumpy tail lizard. Mm. That was really cool as well. Yeah, it was. It was really cool. Um, I mean, for us, yeah, we were short on time, we were short on equipment, and we wanted to get up and have a look. So it was, it was a perfect thing. So yeah, we really had a good time with this tour. We started off in Adelaide super early in the morning. We weren't too happy with that, but... Gosh. Was... <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. So first of all, we went to Quorn, which is just... A town, and it was a really good jumping-off point for seeing the Flinders Ranges. So we climbed Dutchman's Turn, we walked out to Wilpina Pound, and we saw the yellow-footed rock wallabies at Warren Gorge. Mm, no, that's cool. They're they're highly endangered, so it was really neat to have someone that knew they were there. Um, I hadn't seen any in the guidebooks that I had looked at, but um, yeah, that was that was really cool. It was, we were really lucky. He said sometimes. We get to see them, and sometimes we don't get to see them on these tours. So we went out there, and you know, we walked quietly, and we saw six or seven of them. Oh, there were a lot. There yeah. were heaps. We were really lucky, and yeah. apparently they're so endangered that they're actually only found in two very small areas. They're in Warren Gorge and in one area of Victoria. Mm. So it was really nice to get to see them, and quite close up as well. Yeah. Now, I I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm a bit paranoid because I'm from New Zealand where there are no dangerous or poisonous insects or reptiles or anything like that. But I've, I'm always a bit cautious about hiking in Australia, so I felt quite comfortable in this big group of people. Like we're, we're spread out over maybe 200 metres, half a kilometre at times, but walking with this big group, because you know, I figured I didn't have to run that fast, just faster than someone else in the group. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we got some amazing photos of, of reptiles and other animals. So I guess we'll put those in the enhanced version of this podcast and in the, the show notes, because yeah. I'm very proud of some of my reptile shots. They were very good, darling. <laughs> Thanks. So from Corn, we also visited um, an abandoned town, the Kanyaka Homestead. So that was interesting. It was a town that was built up in the 1800s and also abandoned, I think it was in the 1890s, because of a drought. It was really sad. They just couldn't live there anymore. Mm. There's no water. Yeah. So, yeah, you can see the walls of this abandoned town. There are so many of them. We were talking about William Creek before. If you look at a map, the road that goes through William Creek has all these dots on it that are 
ruined towns. Mm. Yeah, they're just abandoned, they're eh? just abandoned, yeah. Well, wandering around there reminded me a little bit of the start of the Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> you know, when Luke's whining to his uncle and his aunt before they get murdered. Um, it, it reminds me of that. There was just not much dried up creek bed and these stone houses the same colour as the dirt around them. And a graveyard. Oh yeah, yeah. Very cheery. <laughs> yep. And we also went to, out to Yurumbulla, which is a site of some Aboriginal paint, cave paintings. So that was really interesting. We had to go for a bit of hike and then climb up a ladder and, and yep. they were. And it was interesting, we learned about these cave paintings that they weren't actually meant for decoration. They're not supposed to be pretty. It was basically like a blackboard. So an older person would be teaching a kid about various different things in the environment and where things are located and things like that. So it was really interesting. Yeah, it was. It's, it, it was really cool. Um, everything's behind kind of chicken net to stop yeah. you touching them because some people are idiots. But you could still get a really good look at them. And, um, yeah, it was, it was fascinating. Yeah, it Really, was really and cool. And it was a really good information board that explained what a whole lot of the mm. symbols meant. So... You know, a circle, a circle, and it was a, a campsite, and this is what a person sitting down looked like. These were kangaroo footprints, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, from our time in Corn, I guess I had two big highlights. One was the uh, Wilpina Pound, which was one of the places we went hiking. Um, I just thought there was lovely forest and a uh, lovely walk and then a great view from around the top. Uh, and then the other thing was doing the camel riding with um, uh, another company. This wasn't part of the tour. We went off and did it with uh, Pitchy Ritchie Camel Tours. Yeah, that was really fun. And, yeah. It was quite cool because last year I was thinking about what I wanted to do you know, over the next few years. And I said, I want to ride an elephant and I want to ride a camel. And I was imagining riding an elephant in Asia. So I did that. That was great. But I was imagining riding a camel you know, in Egypt. But then I got this opportunity to ride a camel in Australia, and I said, well, it's so it really good. I mean, the um, the tour guide organised taking us out there, but it was an extra fee to go and do the, the camel ride. We just did a half-hour tour, but there were also one hour and... Gosh, with the way there. camels walk, half, half an hour was enough. But it was really nice. We had a guide who took us around on a little route, two people to a camel, and it was really fun. Yeah, it, it was. So that was that was cool, but yeah, it was, it was quite sore on the... Uh, <laughs> On the legs, let's put it (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was cool. And there was, believe it or not, for all that we've complained and been angry at Australian internet for the last month, there was one of the coolest internet cafes I've ever been to in a town with a population of less than a thousand. It was amazing. It was you. And she'd just done the most amazing job. So it's a cafe. And an internet cafe at once. So there's two computers, beautiful new Macs, and uh, you can also use the Wi-Fi there. So it's a, you know it's a paid service because it's an internet cafe. But you could get what was it, uh, coffee and an Co- hour of internet for five dollars. So we thought that was not bad value. Yeah, and it was far like yeah. it, it was faster than we found in Adelaide sometimes. It's this little outback town. It so was, what was it, called? it was hilarious. Oh. Uh, Bikes and Bites. They did bike rental from there as well. I think it was called Bikes and Bites. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was it was amazing. For yeah, all we've complained, there's my inner geek coming out. But for all I've complained about internet access, this little town had a fantastic internet cafe. It was spectacular. So um, from Quorn, we drove to Cooper Pedy, which is famous for its opals, its spectacular heat during the day, and its underground houses. Yeah, the entire town. I mean, more and more now, because they're running out of space, they're beginning to build build houses above ground. But uh, up until recently, every single house was actually 
burrowed out under the ground. Well, not so much under the ground. They kind of dug out of the rock and um, usually above street level, which I was imagining that they went down to the ground. Some of them do. But as a general rule, you've got kind of um, hills that are dug into. So yeah, these underground dwellings uh, maintain a comfortable temperature of around 22 degrees day and night, which is much better than the you know, 40, 50 degrees that you get during the day otherwise. Down, down to the negatives overnight sometimes. But yeah, it was, I mean, well, they've got this opal there and it's a beautiful, beautiful stone. Well, that's why Kuberpedia exists, was for opal mining. And uh, you can visit a couple of the, or several of the old mines and you can buy opals in every second store. But we yeah. particularly enjoyed visiting the old timers mine. Uh, they have a self-guided tour, so you get your hard hat and you get your map and you, you wander through this hand-cut mine. Because mm. not all of the mines are hand-cut. More and more these days, they're, they're dug out by machine. But this one was all hand-cut, and it was actually filled in and only rediscovered in the 1960s, which is really cool. So you can do a tour, you kind of have to duck and move around, and it was really, really fun. Yeah, I mean, I don't believe you could lose a mine, but apparently this, you can. this area got mined out and they closed it and but it didn't um, get mined out that's the thing about it there's still a lot of opal in the walls like visible yeah when the, when they opened up the the mine for tourism they found i don't know it was probably about thirty thousand to fifty thousand australian dollars worth of precious stone yeah just they've, there visible. They've, they've left it in there so you can actually it's one of the few places where you can see real opal like, like really valuable opal. valuable opal not just the the colorless valueless Pot. stone um yeah you can see it actually still on the wall so that was really cool and you can go noodling and go go sift through rocks to try and find your own little bits of opal out the front and um yeah or oh, they demonstrate this cool machine uh I've forgotten what it's called do you remember no i can't remember it's like a giant vacuum cleaner that's and, right um so I they think dig it's out, a blower. yeah they dig out the the rock, and then they put on this vacuum cleaner. It sucks it out of the mine and puts it into a pile at the side of the the entrance, and yep. then you can look through the through and see if there's any opal in it. Yeah, and um, it was designed by a, by a Kiwi guy who was over there working the mines, and of course they're trying to figure out an easier way of getting all the 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 rock up to the surface instead of carrying it and having it lifted back. Yeah, hauled up by buckets. Yeah, so it's it's basically a Ute, a, a four wheel drive utility vehicle, with uh, what do they call it in the states? Pickup truck. Yeah, it's basically a pickup truck with a giant vacuum cleaner on the back. It's amazing. So yeah, that was cool. And right next to that actually is a cool little hotel. We didn't stay there, but we ducked inside because we had heard so much about it. They've got a uh, revival fellowship church. Um, all cut out of stone, so it's a, a Pentecostal evangelical style church uh, there with a, a hotel beside it. A, I think it's a Comfort Inn or Comfort something in, yeah. like that. And yeah, you can. It's a really cool it's hotel slash motel. Yeah, it's we, beautiful. We just asked if we could have a walk around because we had heard so much about it, and it's fantastic. Yeah, all the rooms look really comfortable, and yeah, you've got that nice, cool yeah. temperature all now, the time. What? I loved about it is you can go into areas and turn on a black light and you can see these fossilized seashells. Oh, yeah. They're, they're cockles from when Australia was part of an underground sea. Well, central Australia was part of an underground sea. They've got, you know, cockle and small clamshells. Uh-huh. And the opal, the sediment that formed the opal, the very silica-rich sediment, has got into these. And as the the shellfish inside has dissolved and even the shell itself has dissolved, it's left these perfectly formed seashells made of pure opal. 
And, so beautiful. And they found it accidentally when they were cutting the hotel. It was kind of several days into it. They've invested all this money. They haven't found any opal, which would obviously pay for the entire outfitting of the hotel. And they decided to cut one bit a little bit higher, a little bit lower. I can't remember the story exactly. And they found about $100,000 worth of of these fossilized seashells and what a what a story is that and you can see them they've, they've got a little shop now inside the hotel to sell opals like every single shop in <laughs> Cooper Pedy sells opals but you they were going to go to the 7-Eleven found... and they sell well, that's opals. right well that's right you know so um yeah you can you can buy the opals from them as well as well as they've got the what they call the uh, the easiest noodling pit in all of Cooperpedia. It's just like a, an ice cream container. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you can you can have a faucet ground and see yeah. if you can find anything. Yeah. Well, uh, we should we should move on, but that was that we're was we're running our, out of time again. I know, it's unbelievable. <laughs> but that was our, our whole experience of South Australia really. I mean we continued on with uh, with Adventure Tours Australia and we continued going north. We went to Catachuda, Kings Canyon, we went to Uluru, which is also known as Ayers Rock. And then all the way up to Alice Springs, but that's that's another show. Yeah, it sure is. Well, before we finish up for this week, let's talk a little bit about the community. There's um, on the site. There's more conversation around traveling by train in North America. Yeah. People are asking about asking and talking about the different passes you can get. Yeah, it, it seems really cool. And um, we we also want to know if you've ever been to Kaikoura in New Zealand. We're going to be there in about a week, and it's one of the few places in New Zealand that we haven't been to. We ever. have been there. We've driven through it. We've we stopped never... and had lunch in our spaceship. Yes. We okay. <laughs> we stopped in a point overlooking Kaikoura and said, oh, that's beautiful, as we had lunch in our spaceship. But I really want to spend a, a little bit of time there if we can. So if you've got any advice for things to do in and around Kaikoura, I know there's lots of kind of swim with the dolphin and whale watching companies. If you've got any experience with anyone there, um, come and let us know and we'll, we'll just see what happens as we drive up north. I really want to get up to Marlborough and go wine tasting. I'm sure you do. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to try and find time to stop and spend a bit of time in Kaikoura. Mm-hmm. So please come to IndieTravelPodcast.com forward slash community and sign up and then visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash forums. Yeah. And you can add to one of the existing topics or add your own. Yeah, and you can also add photos like the ones that people have been uploading from San Sebastian and Vittoria in Spain. Mm, go I want to go Spain. to Spain. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just bought tickets to South America. We did. It's so very exciting. You're not allowed to. We put down the final payment today, so... There's no money in the bank, but we have tickets to Buenos Aires. I'm very excited. (laughs) Smooth. Well, before we finish up, um, let me remind you about the Travel Hacking Cartel. If you want to uh, see if you can make decent miles out of it, go sign up for the $1 14-day trial, uh, indietravelpodcast.com forward slash travel hacking. And we also want to give you some travel advice from our sponsors about travel in Australia. Yeah, Travellers Autobahn, having worked with vehicle rentals and sales for travellers for over 16 years, they know a thing or two about Australian conditions. So here are their top 10 tips for travelling safely. First of all, don't drive at night in areas where there are more dead kangaroos than live kangaroos. Number two, camper vans have a high centre of gravity and falcon wagons are rear-wheel drive with lots of grunt. Be extremely careful if you're not familiar with these vehicles. It's easy to roll a van and easy to lose control of a falcon if you're inexperienced. Thirdly, give dirt roads and unsealed roads a uh, a bit more bit more respect i guess because it's very easy to roll a van and it's very easy to roll a rear wheel drive uh if you're on them number four don't hitchhike not all people who hitchhike meet ex-murderers but some do 
Number five, check the inside edge of your front tires regularly because poor wheel alignment caused tires to scrub out quickly at the front and a front tire blowout is pretty scary. Number six, always wear your seatbelt. Seven, if you're driving on the left for the first time, leave the music off for a while and ask the person in the left seat to act as a lookout. Um, you know, just to spot and make sure you stay on the correct side of the road. Number eight, don't leave valuables visible inside your car when parking at popular tourist destinations. Number nine, do everything humanly possible to avoid overheating your car. If your temperature gauge moves away from normal, stop and call roadside assistance. Don't drive on. Number ten, be aware of retirees offering cups of tea at outback roadside rest stops because it could be hours before you manage to get away again without being rude. So I want to say thanks to Travellers Autobahn for sponsoring this episode of the Indie Travel Podcast, and I want to say thanks to the South Australian Tourism Commission, who helped us out immensely in planning our time around South Australia. Yeah, you rock. So until next week, travel well.